I spend up to five hours per day for English study. And for those five hours, you need to make a schedule or divide those five hours into different parts. Like, okay, maybe first two hours, I need to learn those daily English conversation. And for the rest of the three hours, I need to learn those jargons, law words, you know, and yeah, professional words uh, or read the papers, articles. But not everyone has five hours for English study every day. It's better for those who have full-time work or part-time job, you know. It's hard for them to spend so much time on English study. Welcome, Ali. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Sure. And I want to introduce you as, honestly, you're an inspiration to me. And like I was just wow. showing you this book that has uh, all the legal Spanish that I could ever need. And the reason that I have that is because next year I'll be going to law school in Puerto Rico, where mm -hmm. I'll be studying law school in my second language, Spanish. And it sounds ridiculous because law school is notoriously hard in your own <laughs> language. Yes. You know? And, but you're one of, you've been one of my English students for almost a year now. Yeah. And you, en you entered law school and your first language is Chinese. Mm -hmm. And your English has skyrocketed in its level since then. And, Under your help. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I just want to start with, um, just sort of your general experience of your first year of your first year of law school. Do you have any advice for me going into law school? Well, I couldn't agree more that law school is a very hard choice. You know, uh, like you said, it's already hard, even in your first language. So, because I was a lawyer in China, so I know how hard the law could be even though in your language, you know. But for me, I like to take challenges, maybe. And also with my passion toward law, I really love this major. So that's the reason I chose to do it anyway, based on my experience. Because as you know, I've already got my master's degree of law from Northeastern University School of Law, which is the... Yeah, the, the program is LLM program, which is designed for international students who already have their law degree from another country. So I would say because that was my first year in the States and it was really stressful and super overwhelming. I needed to like finish all those tasks, reading assignments. But in the meantime, I need to improve my English. Not, well, you see, for uh, one way is I need to learn or pr improve those daily, uh, daily words, daily conversation, and all those cultural things. On the other hand, I need to learn the, all those, you know, uh, jargons, uh, lingos, you know, all those uh, law words. Oh my God, 
even now when I think about it, I I do have some respect for me back then. <laughs> you have you have some respect for yourself, and you <laughs> and you should. You honestly should respect yourself. I respect you a lot. And that story and your current level of English, like I said, you're reading very complex case law written yeah, by Supreme I Court do. justices, and you're understanding it more than uh, more than someone for whom English is their first language. And uh, so this story reminds me kind of like a diamond is created under a lot of pressure and heat, ah, right? Like yes. it's like, and so yes, I am calling you a lump of coal, <laughs> but but you're becoming a diamond. So. Eventually, I want to get into some things that I don't know about you, which is exactly how you came over here, what visa you got, and how you made that decision in China. So let me start with question. You chose to, go, to come to law school here in the United States. What other career option or lifestyle option did you leave behind in China? Because every time we make a big choice, we're leaving something behind, right? So mm -hmm. what did you decide not to do back in China? Well, first, the general idea is I indeed, quote unquote, abandoned so many things back in China in order to take law school here. Because like I said, I was a lawyer in China at that time. And actually at that time, I think the market for lawyer was very great. I even got like, I guess, eight or nine opportunities or interview opportunities for big law firms, you know, in China. But I, well, back then, I just thought it's not what I wanted. Like when I thought, when I thought about, you know, working on those cases or dealing with my clients, this stuff just cannot make me be interested in, you know, or trigger me, you know, trigger my passion or everything. I was like, okay, that's it. That's all I need to do in the rest of my life. You know, that kind of bored me and scared me at that time. So, and then I canceled and also asked some friends, even my parents, because I didn't have that much money to support my study here so first i need to get the support of my parents because they should are persuaded they could be my sponsor you know hold on a sec let me zoom in here a little bit because i think you're about to start with the process about showing the united states government that you have the money to <laughs> afford coming here right Which yeah is you better do step. but like tell me about the moment that you decided that you wanted to definitely come to law school in the United States, because it's a big step to tell your parents and ask for help. By the time you're asking your parents for help, you've already made a decision inside of yourself. So yes. like, how did you know for sure that you were going this way and you weren't turning back? Uh, I wanted <laughs> to get into that, but I want to get in back to you and how you got here. So something we have in common, we need to be stimulated intellectually, right? which is why you do something like study law in a different country. So you made that decision that you wanted to come here. You talked to your parents. I don't know what it's like at all to mm -hmm. need to move to the United States to study. <laughs> so just walk me through it. Like, I don't know anything. How do you start that process? Wow. I mean, 
that was a huge decision for me. But when I look back now, I think it was so big and a huge decision. Because, you know, back then, really, my, I didn't even know many words, many English words, you know, because I didn't put many efforts into English study. I wasn't aware that one day I'm going to study abroad, like in the States. So that's why I didn't learn English very well. And, you know, my English was just like, wow, I was like little girl, little boy <laughs> talking. And but once I decided and I got my parents' support to study abroad in the States, then I took it serious. And I, oh, my God, you, you have no idea how much effort I put in this, in this, I miss my journey. And adventure, I would say. <laughs> yeah, this very long-term thing. But yeah, I am glad I made it. I, I make it, I would say. Yeah. So what visa did you apply for and how long did it take? Well, for those who want to study in the States, you need to apply for the called F1 student visa, F1 visa. Yeah, there are different types of visa, like for for spouse, for worker, for students, for traveler, you know, all those different types of visa. And if you want to study in the States, you need to apply for F1 visa, which is student visa. And what the, the permitting period of time for visa is different, is various based on, based on different country. In China, it's generally five years. Once you successfully applied for the F1 visa, you got five years permission staying in the States. Okay. And what are the, you have a five-year window to stay in the States and study. And what are the requirements in order to maintain the visa? Well, first, you need to report or show that you're in intent or intention. What are you going to do in the U.S.? Second, you need to show your, like, I-20. Well, I-20 is a paper document that is issued by the school or the school that you are accepted. Uh, the school issued this document paper, uh, this paper document called I-20 to you. And this paper shows that, okay, this student is, this he or she is a student uh, of my uh, school. and he uh has my the school's permission or support that he's eligible or she's eligible to study here and then you show this paper to the i think it's ambassador right or yeah i mean you apply your when you apply for your f1 visa you need to see the ambassador right or, so the ambassador is the person who is in charge of the embassy so the ambassador is a very important position that you're appointed to, mm -hmm. but the embassy is the place. So in this case, you could either say you have to get this done at the consulate or at the embassy. Yeah. The embass and it's, it's very, it's very unlikely that you would meet the ambassador. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for your clarification. Yes. And you need to first show uh, your I-20 and second, your financial document which means you got you got much money or enough money to study here, you know? Because 
the states doesn't want you to like live in the street, you know, be homeless. And third, you need to also offer or provide as much as document you can to show that you don't have like any criminal record. You're a well, you don't have any disease. Minor disease is okay, but you don't have any like serious like you could be dying any minute. That uh, yeah, yes. that kind of disease. Yeah, terminal disease or contagious illness, yeah. of course. Right, because, so you have to have med- med- yeah, medical documents, financial do- documents. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's it. And it also, yeah, you need to, there is a very short interview uh, between you and the, the the staff there, you know, and he or she may ask you, okay, tell me about you a little bit. And if they say, okay, this is a student, Who's gonna study in the states? He knows that okay, maybe his English is not bad. Let me just speak to you with English, and you need to uh, respond English too. You know, to show that your your English is proficiency. <laughs> Before you apply uh, for this visa, your English needs to be good enough to have a conversation about your goals with the consular officer. Yeah, it's well, it's not like mandatory, but it's kind of like one of the reasons to convince or to persuade the staff there that you genuinely want to study there in the States. Think about it. If you're not very good at English, how could the worker or the officer believes that you really want to study there? Maybe you couldn't even live there. Because you don't have a very good speaking English, you know, or English speaking. Yeah. So that's a big obstacle you overcame. Your your family scrounged up the proof of financial solvency for you to come here. Mm-hmm. And I know your English has improved a lot since you've been here. How many years have you been here? This, well, it's turning to the fourth year, I think. The yeah. fourth year. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time to be immersed in English. So it's definitely improved a lot. Uh, and you said before you started looking to come study here, your only English education was the basic Chinese Very education basic. system. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've spoken to other Chinese people who have only been educated in with English in Chinese schools. Mm-hmm. And it's not a functional level of English in general. And that's mm-hmm. not a criticism of the Chinese public school system. I know. Because it's, it's really the same in the United States for when the public school tries to teach students Spanish or French, a small minority of American students come out of school being able to speak with any proficiency. So when you made the decision to start doing this, let's change gears and tell me about your English journey. Like, how did you prepare for this visa in China? And then how did you keep improving your English when you arrived here? Well, to be honest, I don't have much to say about the preparation of my visa application because first I don't remember much about that. <laughs> I was so worried about the result, you know, whether I could get the permission or not. So yeah, but it's not that hard for the course of application. You just need to fill out all those papers, documents and provide as much as document or yeah, you can. 
to show you are in good faith, you know, you are in good condition. So that yeah, that's it. Yeah, not hard. But I do have much to say about the English study as an English learner. You know, oh my God, I say this word correctly. Yeah, I think there are yeah two types of English students. Well, this is based on my own experience and standard. So the first one is, which I call it, enjoy the life with balancing. And the second type of English student is. Enjoy whatever you want with focusing. Okay, I'm the second type. So now I'm gonna detail all those two types. The first one is enjoy the life with balancing. Means so let's say it's very obvious that everyone's energy is very limited. Well, and it's better for those English learners. You just don't have that much time to like immerse totally immerse yourself. Into English vibe or environment, you know. Well, I think for me, I got like five hours, up to five hours per day. Is this back when you were in China? Yes. Oh wow, that's a、yeah. that's a lot of time. Yes, like I told you, my English at that time pretty sucks. <laughs> yeah, I spend up to five hours per day for English study, and for those five hours. You need to make a schedule or divide those five hours into different parts. Like, okay, maybe first two hours I need to learn those daily English conversation, and for the rest of the three hours I need to learn those jargons, law words, you know, and yeah, professional words,、uh, or read the papers, articles. But not everyone has five hours. For English study, every day it's better for those who have full-time work or part-time job. You know, it's hard for them to spend so much time on English study. Yeah, that's and for I got so many friends with,、uh, who are yeah I would say they are this first-time student English learners because they enjoy their life a lot, not like me. You know, they like they go to bar, they make friends, and they hang out every day. You know, they travel around the U.S. You know, they just spend so much time enjoying this journey. Yeah, you know everything, and their spoken English is very well because they contact with so many different people, different things. But the thing is, they didn't spend much time on their major. <laughs> you know, then when you ask. Them about his major. Well, let me just explain it a little bit. But it's it's just not very deep, like a professional、uh, student, you know. And now it's a it's time to talk about, talk about the second type of student, which is enjoy whatever you want with focusing. Well, you spend all those time focusing on. Your major, or for example, if I like, I love politics, or I love, or nature, or environmental. So I spend all all of my available time or possible time into this major, this field. You know, it's conceivable that one day, your English or your understanding of this field would be amazing. Like, wow, everyone, you know, yeah. But the problem is. Ah,、uh, your daily English maybe 
may not be very well. Like me, to be honest, I really don't know much about food or you know all those food words about food or travel, you know, or I don't know some、uh, celebrities. Yeah, I just don't know much about this. But if you'd like to talk with me about my major, about anything about law, you know, or relative, relatively about law, I think I am a good talker and listener also. Yeah, and that I wouldn't bore you or you know make you feel like I'm not professional. No, <laughs> yeah, I got this confidence. Yeah, that's a a great dichotomy that you've brought up about language learning. I've never thought about this. Obviously, I know that there's the kind of language people with a lot of slang and a lot of idioms、mm-hmm. and strong accents. It's the same in every country, right? You have the common everyday language, and then you have the formal language. Yes. And I haven't really thought about it as deeply as you have that. That you could really divide your time. You could focus on the formal language if you're going to study, if it's for your job, and in doing so, it's a trade-off. You're going to be not studying as much the informal language. It's really beautiful because you can decide sort of what you want out、yes. of this experience in a foreign place. You could always study the other one later,、yeah. right? But it's like, okay, am I going to the United States for a couple years to? You know, get a kind of easy major, get to know the culture, make friends, have this kind of American experience, or am I going to be the best damn lawyer that I could be? Yeah. Right. In which case, I need to focus more of my time on technical language. So it sounds like you thought a lot about that, and you've you have focused a lot of your time on technical language. And that's something that I think is most impressive about you is your vocabulary and your、mm-hmm. grasp of words that even Americans. Don't use.、Uh, but if I had any criticism of you, and I don't think you would mind me saying this, is that in some environments with some accents and some slang, you'd probably be totally lost, <laughs> right? Tell me about it. Yeah, which is which is really normal for language. It's, <laughs> yeah, understanding colloquial accents is a huge a huge challenge. Only exposure can get you there. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I don't care. I mean, for me, I. Always tell myself that you don't have to understand every word. You don't have to understand every topic. You know, it's okay to be embarrassed. Like when people talk talk with you about some new topic that you are not familiar with, it's okay. You know, I mean, just don't force yourself like to understand everything. I mean, this is not your first language. Come on, right? And it's already enough that you can. Talk about one specific field in a very deep level. You know, that's already enough, right? So you don't need to like compel yourself that much to understand everything. And that's、right. that impossible. Of, yeah, take some of the pressure off because even、yeah. in the United States, I'm a native English speaker. There are some people that I don't understand really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't put a lot of pressure on myself about it. I don't feel stupid, you know.、Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, and so, and also not everyone is someone that you want to have deep conversations with, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Right. So、That's、there's a, a certain、yeah. a certain type of people that you interact with, and you specialize there.、Uh, so that's so. This brings me to something that I really respect about you, which is that you take risks.、Mm-hmm. Right. I think that is actually one of the fundamental. 
qualities of a good language learner is yeah. that they're willing to take risks. They're willing to go have conversations mm-hmm. and feel and feel stupid. They're willing <laughs> to travel. They're yeah. willing to, you know, if someone is afraid, if someone waits until they think that their English is perfect before they start using it, I think they're going to be waiting forever. Yeah, that's correct. And I do. Well, I couldn't agree more because, yeah, I was that kind of person before. You know, I thought, okay, I just I study English from paper, book, everything in my house by myself. You know, then one day when I feel confident and when I feel everything is perfect, I'm so confident about about English. Then it's time to talk to people and do some communication. Or maybe, boy, maybe that day will be so late for you. You know?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is, I guess my point is, don't waste your time. Once you think you can do some basic conversations, and it's a good time to like step out and talk to people. Don't be afraid of being embarrassed or like humiliated. It's okay. I mean, people are well. Generally, people are not blaming your language or words are not appropriate or something. Actually, all those people, native speakers, English speakers, all I met, they're very friendly and they are very generous. You know, and not only they didn't laugh at me or I don't know mock me, but also they, I mean, they taught me like they corrected me with. The words, phrase, saying, so that feeling was so good, and it gives you more motivation or motives to proceed、uh, with your English learning. There's a th- that reminds me of another thing that you do that I think is a a practice of the best language learners that I know, and that you repeat the things that you hear,、mm, yes. and you also. Ask about them until you understand them, and then you try to use them.、Yes. And so, I think with this process, your vocabulary just grows bigger and bigger over time.、Mm-hmm. Because every time you hear something you don't know, it's like you log it, you record it somehow, then you ask about it, then you try to use it. First of all, am I correct about this? Is that what you do? And if so, can you tell me a little bit more about exactly how you do it? Because you always have a list of words for me that you're asking me about. Like, how、Trying、do you do this to... process? Because I think that it works. Yeah, it works very well. Well, at least for me,、uh, I I think I have two points of view about this one. First is yeah, do repeat those new words and or sayings or phrase as much as you can, because there is a saying in the states. Or in the English world, practice makes perfect, right? So you must practice more or as much as you can as possible. Then you can remember it. You can just take those words like into your body, like a part of your English system, you know. And when you speak about some relative topic topics, your mind just reminds you. Okay, you can use this word, this slang, this phrase, you know. Yeah, which is very,、uh, which is very wonderful, and like for example, do you remember? Yeah, previously when you say something that I don't know, and when after you explained it to me, I kept saying I get it, 
I get it. And one day you told me, yeah, it's not technically right to say I get it. Well, the correct one is I got it. And yeah, after that, I yeah, I tried my best to repeat uh, this. Hey, I got it. I got it. Well, still in the very beginning, I still made some mistakes and kept saying I get it. I get it. But along the time, over time, now I wouldn't say I get it. I get it anymore, I, because I, it's my it's like my habit to say I got it. You know, my natural reaction to say I got it. Yeah, that's a very good example, I think. And second is it's very. I would say I wouldn't say very. I would say it's paramount. It's the most important important thing. To find someone, I mean, someone means an English teacher, instructor. Like, but this English teacher should fit you. You know, like you two have common topics, topics or interest, uh, interests. You know, you, you two just you can hit off very well. Because nowadays it's very easy to find an English teacher, native speaker. You know. From all those different apps, you know, websites, blah blah blah. But because there are so many, so many English teachers, and sometimes they just get lost. Like all of them look very well, you know, fancy. Which one should I take? Don't get lost because this step is very important. You need to find someone like to try different English teacher until you find the one. The one, quote unquote, the <laughs> one, you know, yeah, yeah, the one that you really have the feeling. Okay, this is the one that I want. Because I've tried before. I found you. I tried many English teachers on the on a certain app, and some of them, when I ask them a word or some phrases, first they may not know it, and second. They may just tell you, ah, don't bother. Ah, never mind. We don't use that word anymore. You don't need to waste with time on that word. Come on. I mean, even though you guys don't use that word, but at least I've met that word. I need to understand the meaning. Even though it's okay that you don't understand, you don't know that word, know the meaning. But at least you look it up or help me figure out the correct meaning, right? Do something. You can't just say. Okay, don't waste your time. Something like this. This is very irresponsible, you know. And there are so many of those English teachers. They are doing it this way. I would say. Well, <laughs> I'm not saying this uh, out of you know some bad thoughts or something. But it's just, I think for a English learn for an English learner. It's very、mm, super important to find someone. Yeah, find an English teacher that is suitable for you. And、it、I sounds like sounds、sorry. like you hold yourself to a high standard. Yeah, right. And you want your teacher to hold you to a high standard. You can't learn everything at once, but you know that eventually you want to be able to understand anything in English, and you want to be able to express anything <laughs> at all in English, right? And it can't、uh-huh. happen in a week, right? But you don't want to make any shortcuts at all. No, I don't. And、yeah. I'm very lucky to have you. 
seriously, because you are very responsible. And every words, every phrase, I ask you, you try your best to help me, and I really appreciate that. And well, th yeah, thank you for challenging me as well. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's stimulating. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a win win thing. Yeah, this is a thing about the the accent or the pronunciation. So for those English learners, I think it's beautiful. It's good to have accent. Don't be ashamed about that. You know, it's a beautiful thing. It's a mark of like where you are from, you know, and which culture you represent. It's a good thing. Don't be ashamed of. But for me, it's well because uh, different people have different thoughts or standard. For me, I just I feel I, I like this American accent, so that's why I try my best to uh, get close to it. Even though I know that I would never speak like a native speaker, but it's okay. At least I know that I'm working on it. I'm directing myself to the way that I want. So, yeah, I don't have much uh, to say about this accent because I think it's beautiful to have accent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think is being comprehensible is the most important thing in yes. a language. Being comprehensible in communication of ideas because ideas are fun. Speaking of ideas, what were some of your ideas about America before you came here? And how has that changed or how was it confirmed? I know it's a little bit about myself. You know, I've been learning Chinese for several years. And one of my biggest motivations to learn Chinese mm -hmm. was that I didn't understand Chinese culture and history. Right. And I really wanted to understand it on a personal level, you mm -hmm. know. And so I haven't lived in China. I've, been, I've traveled to China, but everything that I do, and I study Chinese language and Chinese history, I'm trying to understand the Chinese experience as mm -hmm. close as I can. And I want to know what that's like from your perspective coming to the United States. <laughs> Before I came into the States, States for me was like a land of fantasy, you know, because everything I knew about America is from TV shows or movies. And all of them just made America a wonderful land. <laughs> like uh like a like a heaven. Mm, yeah, and also that like gave me a reason, another reason to, you know, to decide to study here. But after I came to the States and now it's turning the fourth year, I would say now I really love America, love the States. It's like I've told you many times, now the, the States is just like my, it's just like my second home. And all those people I met, all those friends I've made, and all those culture, cultures, and well, I do love the environment here. Very, very natural, very great. You mean like the natural environments, like nature? Yes, yes, oh, nature. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. I do love America, the love states. Even though I know something, something is going on between our 
two countries, but it's too far for me. I don't care. I don't give a damn about that. You know,、mm-hmm. and the only thing I know is I love America. I love my friends here, and I love everything I've been through here. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Would you ask anything for a person traveling from the United States to China?、Uh, so it sounds like you've you've had your mind open coming this direction.、Mm-hmm. What about something going the other direction? Is there something that you would ask them to? Be open to or consider. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that being in the states is that it really changes changes my mind or my per- perception about many things a lot. Like before I came to the states, I couldn't imagine that how this what is what was exactly the globalization, you know. And I couldn't imagine like the mixture of different cultures, and what、well, we we may call it hodgepodge. But I just I couldn't imagine that how different country, how different people from different countries can work, live together in a harmony way, you know, in a very peaceful way. But now I know it, and I experienced it. You know, and I would say now I have a totally different mind and perception about those the globalization, different people from different country and different culture. It really expands my acceptance of different things, of new things, which is very good. I really appreciate that. So vice versa, people from America, you can go to China or any other countries to. Feel different things, so I'm not. I don't want to talk about anything about media here, but just go to the country and feel by yourself, like see and、uh, say it, feel it, touch it, and experience by yourself. Don't just listen to it. everyone's talking, media's talking, you know, news. Yeah, just it may give you. A new world, and yeah, that's it. That's my point. That's a great point. 